0: 1880s is a weird time the whole like 1800s is a weird time because it's kind of bridges this like gap between this like colonial era which we still think about as like old timey to this modern era like you think like they have shit that you're like oh i can't believe they had that but then they don't have stuff and you were like they didn't have pasteurization yet they probably did i i think pasteurization was the 70 1700s i wouldn't really know and I don't.
1: I don't know if we have a pasteurization specialist who listens or works with us.
0: Or that something like like they had? Oh shit! In the eighteen eighties. So it was actually in that time they developed pasteurization. Like things like germ theory are not as old as you think they are.
1: Yeah. I, actually, I remember reading about
0: that. And it's fucking whack. Yeah. I mean. Like it's it's. It started in like the 1500s and kind of went through the 1700s, but they really didn't adopt it until 1890. <laughs> so we were just like, yeah, ghosts <laughs> cause disease until 1890. You have ghosts in your blood. <laughs> yeah, you got ghosts in your blood. You should do cocaine about it. It's a sweet the be- that's the best
1: way to describe old time doctors. Speaking of Red Dead, there's a doctor like that in Red Dead 1. Spoiler. I really want them to remaster Red Dead One because I would like to play it with like Red Dead Two controls. I am calling it now that that's gonna be a DLC. I hope. I hope it happens. Why wouldn't they? That's just money on the table. All right. Are you ready to start recording? Yeah. I think I'm warmed up. Okay. Ready to
0: go. All right. Let's do it. I'm already recording. All right. Cool. Room temperature. Sweet. I'm here with my boy. Uh, eleven hours. That's a long time. Santino Tartaglia and I'm your host, Chris Walker. Santino, what you got to say? 11 hours is a
1: long time. 11 like, hours is if a long you're, time. If you're chasing after someone on foot and they got away about,
0: I don't know, one minute ago, 11 hours, that's a that's a long time to let them get away. You know, they say that uh, human superiority uh, in the animal kingdom came from the fact that we're endurance runners and that we can't necessarily run as fast and we're not as strong as, as other beasts. And it's not our brains that, that gave us the superiority. It was the fact that we can just run for a really fucking long time so that if we're chasing down like a gazelle, it's gonna have to like kind of stop and get tired and we can just we can just keep trucking along. Oh so just imagine, you're like a gazelle and you're like, oh shit, here comes a human, he's come with a spear, he's gonna come get me, chase me across the savannah. And then like, you look back and you're like, oh, I think I, I, think I lost him, you're huffing and puffing. And he's just, just trucking along at the same speed. And you're like, oh God, oh God, I can't run. And he's just stone dead-eyed coming at you, holding the spear and eventually like two days later, you're dead. And he's alive. And that's why you and I are here today doing this podcast. And on this podcast, we're going to talk about a couple of things. So something big <laughs> okay. and newsworthy. Uh, American Football put out a new album. So they're breaking their record for album releases because they're coming out rapid fire as far as those guys are concerned. is this Does this count as Kinsella news? I think, yeah. Uh, I think this does count as Kinsella news because there are at least two Kinsellas involved in this. Okay. Uh, So again, it's uh, it's a self-titled one, and uh, by the time I had listened to this, it wasn't out yet, but now we're in the future. So this thing's out. You can go listen to it on Spotify. You can go listen to it on Apple Music. You can listen to it on Deezer. You can listen to it on Help Me Out Here. What other streaming services are there? Google Play. Google Play. Did you say that? No. Uh, It's probably on there, though. Uh, But as always, we encourage you to go purchase music you like and not just stream it, because everybody loses if uh, you just stream things. So I had some thoughts on this album. Yo, tell me about it because Um, I
1: had some thoughts.
0: Yeah, so uh, they released like a couple pre-release tracks. One of them was, I can't remember the order that came out in, so I'm just going to do them in the order I think they appear on the album. So the opener is called Silhouettes Mm. and it starts out really slow. My big issue with this is my issue with uh, 15 to 20 years later, American football in general, in that, the singing is bad and not because it's bad because it's good i I actually know
1: exactly what you mean I preferred the I, I'm not trying to be mean but I prefer the crappier singing
0: yeah like the 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 shitty reading out of my diary singing was way better yeah it felt more charismatic it just had more humanity to it and right. now that he's like practiced up and become a good singer mm-hmm. I'm not as into it so. Other than that, I don't really have a problem with the instrumentation on the first track. Um, I think particularly the drum beat is good. I mean, it's American football, so it's just kind of the same, mm. the same one. But he picked a good one to play for <laughs> seven and a half minutes. Yeah, and so uh, you,
1: you're kind of touching on exactly what my issue with the album ends up being like a spoiler. In my opinion, I'm not really crazy about the song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, no, you can interject any time. We don't have to wait and.
1: No well, one's waiting with well, bated
0: breath for your opinion. You can just come in any time. We're going to create a rich tapestry of opinions. So interweaving like the, the ocean. Well, I think you, you bringing up that drum beat and saying that it was going on for seven and a
1: half minutes is exactly what my issue with this album was because there was not a single song that has a distinct moment that I can remember because mm. it would start somewhere and that's where it would be. Yeah. And like for me, every song kind of was in that same place. Yeah. Like it wasn't like, this is the fast song. This is the slow song. Every song was, it's relative, like it it may as well be the song before it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's all very samey. And I know a lot of stuff in this genre can feel very samey because you can kind of do the same few motifs and few ideas over and over. And it's not really a genre where you're meant to branch out, but this was like excessively samey, I feel. So, (laughs) yeah. And I I mean, in this one in particular, like the riff was good. But it wasn't seven and a half minutes good. <laughs> I don't want. I want to listen to it for two minutes, maybe, because you yeah. can make a song out of one riff. Yeah, that's fine. But you can't do it for that long. <laughs> it's just gotta. You gotta do something different. <laughs> um. So moving on, the other pre-release track they did was called "Every Wave to Ever Rise." I actually like this one. I don't really have much to say about it. I thought it was pretty good. Um. For honestly, uh,
1: everything except for the one you're about to get to, mm. the, the, I have the same opinion for virtually all
0: of it. So yeah, I haven't talked to anyone else about this album that was interested in it, but I feel like. We're going to have a lot of the same opinion that uh, the next track, they, the next pre-release track they released called Uncomfortably Numb is a very bad song. Oh my God. Like it's not even, it's not even like uh, oh, this wasn't my favorite. It was a, this is aggressively bad. It's categorically so, bad.
1: So let me, <laughs> let me. I, I want to preface it with, like, I was kind of excited when I heard that there was a new American football album. Mm. I, I won't lie. I was like scared, but I was excited. And when I heard that Hayley Williams can be on a song, I was actually kind of pumped. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Haley Williams, Paramore, uh, like, generally kind of aggressive, whatever. But I was also excited because of, like, what that would allow them to do with two singers. Mm. And they didn't do anything with two singers. No, they she didn't. She literally just sang on her own verse, which <laughs> would have been fine,
0: but she didn't, like... Well, she she brought up those little, like, repeats at the end of phrases as well. well so
1: that's, where, that's kind of where I'm going with this. Like, outside of that, which... Um, it's called a round, by the way. Mm-hmm.
0: Um she would do I those. thought that was when you start the entire phrase like halfway through well, the first person finishing.
1: Well, that's what she ends up doing. They do that at the end. The lesson, the lesson. If you listen to the song, yeah. They both do the lesson. Can you lesson. do the whole thing, please? <laughs> no, I'm not gonna Can do you that. do both? Parts. I'm, not, I'm not gonna do that. All right. But uh so whether or not it's really round, you know. I, I only took choir for like two years, so
0: forgive I didn't me take for... choir at all. Um my mom did sing in the choir at church though. And I got so to hang out after church and, and it, watch sometimes. It's
1: it's probably worth digging into, though, that uh, the song uh, like is, is obviously
0: somehow an homage to Pink Floyd. Okay, well, yeah. So that's, obviously, if you're familiar with Pink Floyd, you'd know that Comfortably Numb is their most popular song. It's, what is it's Pink Floyd's there. most popular? It's one of them. So um, in this one, not only did they just take that little bit and make it into a title, like that could have been enough. That would have been fine. But he kind of like pinched the whole melody of how it goes like he phrases it in the same it's not the same it's not the same melody it's almost like the same vocal rhythm right but it's bad (sighs) it's just such like he shouldn't have done it like it's just such an obvious like dad thing to do i don't know how else to describe it but like if if you know someone's dad who wasn't who had had not thought about music in a deep way for 40 years picked up a guitar And he's like, I'm going to learn a few things here and there. And he got his like, uh, you know, first guitar lesson book. And he's like, I can sing a little bit too. That's what he would come up with. That would be the first (laughs) song he came up with and show his family and his wife would go, oh, oh, David, I'm so proud of you. And then his son would be like, yeah, yeah, dad, that was real cool. I mean, it's it's like made out of um, harmonics, which was like
1: kind of a cool idea, but my problem became that the song didn't go anywhere from those harmonics, and they mm. they were there for I think what's the song like five minutes or four minutes? It's there a for something like that. It's there for roughly like seventy percent of the song, and then they have right. like a, I guess you, the part that I sang, the lesson part, <laughs> it, it does something slightly different, but then it goes back, which is kind of cool. But like I wanted a little more, and I, I guess I'm just disappointed that we have like such a prolific singer as Haley Williams on a song, we didn't do anything with her.
0: I've never been a big fan of Paramore, so it was it was. I was nonplussed by it to start with, and then I was like offended by the end of it. So. <laughs> I, I never got. Off- I guess the only offense I took is they had. Well, it's just that they could have done. They could have done more. Like yeah, they could have actually done more. But on a positive note, new standards album EP came uh, out on on uh, Spotify. They called it an EP. Yeah. Um, so the new standards EP is called Friends. Now. Something interesting. I was going to talk a little bit about the album. but I think the more interesting, uh, more interesting thing here is you've never listened to Standard, Not or once you not hadn't ever. before. I told you to listen to this. Yes. Yeah. So give me your, I guess, give me your opinion on Standards, Just uh, their whole catalog, because I have some thoughts on like their release schedule that kind of makes these one.
1: But so I, I mean, I listen. I don't know if there's more than the two that I listen to.
0: That's it. That. Li- okay.
1: So yeah. those two. Okay. Yeah. So Friends and the the uh, uh, other one, self title, and. Um, I liked them both. I should say I got about 45 seconds into the first song is I, I I can't separate what happened to me from my opinion Mm -hmm. because I got 45 seconds into the first song of friends and I was like, Oh, I'm really digging this. Like, and I, I was immediately like drawn to the tone and all this garbage, which we'll talk about in a second. And then a friend of the show, Crispy James walked into the room. He's like, Oh, is this standards? Oh, he does this cool tap thing. You gotta hear it. And then it turned into, I have to go listen to the first album now. So I had to
0: like pause go back to the first album. Was it the song that goes, and I'm going to vocalize here, so forgive me, the song that goes, <speaking in Spanish> yes. he loves that thing. It, He loves it he so go, much. He yeah. goes crazy for it. He, like every time we talk about standards, he's like, oh man, that's so cool when he does that thing.
1: Yeah, it's the song, where is it? I wrote it in my notes. Um, it's the third song, uh, Shmooney. Mm. Thir- so, the third song, Shmooney, he, he had to have me listen to it. But to get there, we had to listen to every song, which wasn't a problem because I was already doing that, but I was like trying to listen to the new one. But it did give me a good opportunity to kind of AB both albums. Mm. And um, just like to, to actually answer the question you originally asked, what do I think? I think the name suits them well. Mm. Uh, and I don't, none of this is intended to be an insult, but like them calling themselves standards to me, they sound like, uh, if I were to have a discussion with someone about what I thought math rock sounded like, they would be the standard that I would start at.
0: Yeah. And it, it like, but it's a good one.
1: It's like, it's like a good version of that.
0: Yeah. They're kind of like right in the middle of complex and jammy. So like, I would say as far as tone wise, they're similar to invalids. And before it used to be, you just would go, Oh, what's math rock, uh, math rock like today. And you just show them invalids, but that's super overly complex. So maybe it's not as accessible. Whereas yeah. standards is like it's the gateway drug now, and it's <laughs> yeah. And like it's, yeah, you're right. It's totally like the standard, haha, baseline, <laughs> yeah, for everything. Um, so one of the things that struck me about this was the production value. I think was better on this one than their first EP. Um, so I don't know if it was the fact that they were using a different studio or they were just more experienced in their production. Um, but what did you, after after A being them back to back? What did you think?
1: That that was exactly what. I was, uh, that was exactly what I experienced. It was like, it was warmer. It was richer. Uh, the drum, the drum specifically, like that stuck out to me first. Mm. Not that the first ones were like, they weren't bad. Like I wouldn't say that the first time was even recorded bad. It sounded great. It sounded fine. Um, but the second one, the way that they sounded, they were like full and warm Yeah, and they sounded like being like the, the way that the room was mixed in, it had the DIY Feel, but it had the professional sound, which I would compare to like listening to anything mixed by Eddie Kramer. So you're talking like a like a Jimi Hendrix album or something.
2: Mm. So like
1: if you were to go listen to uh, any drums on that, it kind of reminded me of that, which was for me like some of my favorite drums is like '60s drums. So that mm. was kind of fucking cool.
0: Yeah. Um, so one more thing to say about this album, I keep calling it an album, this EP maybe I'm just calling it an album because it's one song longer than the last one. Yeah. Um, But so standards is kind of doing this thing that I've been seeing as a trend for a while. And I think, I think I've been seeing music going this way, like this being the way that DIY is done. And essentially you don't sit down and write and record one giant album and then just have one release. And then three years later do it again. Like you incrementally do these little tiny things because people as much as I hate it are now, listening to singles and songs and making playlists versus sitting down and listening to an, an entire album. <laughs> so it, it seems like they're catching onto the way of the future. You have this little tiny bite size digestible thing that's over in like 12 minutes. And then a year later you do another one. And then a year later you do another one. And that's kind of how you get things done rather than <sighs> this long, big process where it's like an event. I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before, yeah, and that's and why I want to bring it up again because I know it's been a topic on the show, and it's like i
1: don't I don't disagree with any of the above i I'm still my favorite my favorite way to listen to music is through an album
0: it's oh same here, yeah, yeah. So. like the the fact that the first one was so short was uh, such a bummer to me because I really liked it, so now that these two are together, I treat them as one because I want to sit down i mean it's, it's still only like twenty five minutes when you put them together, yeah, so like. I want to sit down. I want to listen to like a thirty-minute album, so I just listen to them both back to back. Yeah. <laughs> so now that there's enough standards material, it's like an act, it feels like a substantial listen to me. Um, so standards, uh, friends is out now. You can go get that everywhere. I I would say you should probably buy that through Bandcamp or buy a physical if you see them on tour somewhere, because that way you know basically all your money is going where it Direct needs to go to them yeah yep no label no middleman getting in the way apple google are not taking uh, any of it if you can put the money right in someone's hand that's the way to do it so uh let's do a little quick news roundup and we're going to try and be as topical as we can so there's a new town portal track Called "Human Touch" out that you can listen to right now. It is off of their upcoming album of violence. Uh, it's streaming on our website, so go check that out. The album comes out April fifth, so boof, man. By the time this comes out, that might be today. Um, if it's in the future, look forward to it. If it's in the past, what are you waiting for? You can, it's it's here now. Uh, there's no waiting. So uh, merry Christmas. Uh, <laughs> next, there's a new track from uh, Body Hounds' upcoming album, No Moon. Um, you can check that out on their Facebook page. It's very cool. I listen to that one myself. Um, Track is called Spectrum. Go peep that. And something personally exciting to me, because I recently just got back into this band. Physics House Band. Yes. Uh, Death Sequence. It's a title track from their upcoming EP. They're another band that kind of just does... EPs. Well, actually, that's not true. Horizons Rapture was an EP, and then I don't think about Mercury Fountain as being an album, but it was totally album-length. I remember it being an EP in my head, but then I'd listen to it again. I was like, this is really long. (laughs) (laughs) This is album length. Uh, So May 3rd, uh, you can get Death Sequence. Go listen to that track now. It is dope. Um, So at the end of the quick news roundup, I wanted to really talk about this thing in more depth, but I can't for reasons that will become clear. Tricot has a new song out. And it's a pretty good song. It's good. It's called Daihatsume. Um, you can go check it out. There's a couple of sites that have that have embedded the video. I think you can find the video on YouTube, too. It's Honestly, probably on their yeah, official. I'm pretty sure I just Googled it and I was able eh, to find just it. Just Google it. Yeah, you're fine. Um, but the song is, I mean, to me, Tricot Can Do No Wrong. Like, everything <laughs> they've done have been really good. So yeah. it's just more of that. Um, the problem was there's a whole EP to go along with it that came out March 20th, which as of this recording is over a week ago. And I still can't listen to it because I live in America. (laughs) Yeah, it's only physically released, and it's only in Japan. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, good for them for sticking to what their, I guess, what their record
1: label wants to do. We
0: need to save the physical economy, (laughs) and this is the way to do it. But yeah, this is supporting the Japanese economy, which uh, may be in bad shape. Well, I I mean, yeah, the Japanese economy too. I just, I just,
1: I just really like. Physical releases, that's all. Yeah, and
0: there's a cool... I mean, uh, I don't really know any Japanese, but uh, I'm on their, their website right now, Tricot.tv. Um, so it's a five-track EP, and there's like, it looks like there's a cool collector's edition that comes in a cube. So... <laughs> <laughs> we may just be two dudes. But let me ask you this. What
1: if we got a third
0: dude in here? <laughs> Let's get one more dude in. Let's here. get one more but dude. But where, where's he going to be from? He's going to be from a little island. Which, all right, I got a problem with the term island <laughs> to start <Okay>. with because <laughs> right. really every piece of land is an island if you just look far enough. <laughs> Either way, uh, he's from a little uh, <laughs> he's from a little place called Australia. We're going to bring on Nick Hunter, founder, creator, lead editor. Guy who pays the bills at Fecking Bahamas, and he's going to talk about some controversy recently. Echoes and Dust had a uh, an opinion piece come out. I don't want to say it was blaming Arc Tangent for making uh, math rock more homogenous, but it had a very clickbaity title. So a couple of things we just want to to set up beforehand. Echoes and Dust, uh, they were around before we were. They've been doing this a long time. Uh, those guys are awesome. Um, We respect everything they have to say, even though we may here and there disagree with them. And overall, you know, we're going to go back and forth about this a little bit, but we think that all opinions in this, or or all criticism rather, should be respected because there's really not a lot of people doing hard in-depth critique of the genre. So if we want to elevate it and (laughs) make it more viable then i think this there needs to be more of these kinds of articles written you know even if they're uh if they if they rub you the wrong way or they feel a little inflammatory or whatever like it's all just it's it's rising all ships so it's 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 increasing the viability of the genre overall so just want to clear that 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 we love these guys we're not out to we're not out to run a audio hit piece on them or whatever uh anyway here's here's uh us two talking to nick hunter about uh echoes and dust All right, so here we are with Nick Hunter, father, creator of Fucking Bahamas. (laughs) Uh, So, Nick, we brought you on for a very specific purpose today. Um, There was recently an opinion piece written by Echoes and Dust uh, that we were hoping you could elucidate for us, that you could, I don't want to say give like a counterpoint to, um, but you had some thoughts on us, and I, I, I figured it'd be a good idea to bring you on so you could share that with the audience, and we could get what our closest... To an expert Mm. in the genre would be.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I guess that like, like before we even start talking about it, there are a couple of things that we should unpack so that we and also anyone listening is on the same wavelength as we are. Uh, I think the first thing is that arctangent isn't a math rock festival so i think if you read through this article you might get the impression that that's what arctangent is all about but i don't really think it's ever actually been a math rock event uh and it's often that we hear criticisms that you know arctangent is like it's not being math rock enough anymore they're they're putting more metal in and it's not the math rock festival it used to be but like was it ever a math rock festival i mean like the headliner for the first arctangent in 2013 was fuck buttons they had like Future of the Left and Boss K and Public Service Broadcasting and all these bands that aren't necessarily math rock. So I don't think that it's really fair to, to call them a math rock festival. Sure enough, yeah, they have like a lot of, like they like accommodate the math rock genre quite a lot. But you're like, if you go to Dark Tangent, it's going to be noise rock and math core and uh, you know, post rock, black metal, etc., etc. et cetera. Like it's, a, it's a, a festival for all of the weird stuff, the alternative of the alternative but it's not the math rock if i may jump
0: in too um yeah i i don't know if it's something that we're doing and it's something that other outlets are doing to promote it as a math rock festival but i agree with you that it's it's a totally different kind of thing than we typically bill it as just from my conversations with jock she never described it as a math rock festival you know and this is one of the creators of of the entire thing so i think at least in their minds they had never thought about it as purely a quote-unquote math rock festival It was always for left of center music. Um,
2: Uh, That's right. Yeah. And I I guess I don't have an uh, answer to
0: that. Like, it's I don't know mm -hmm. if it's something that that outlets like us can can do better in not Mm -hmm. calling it a math rock festival, but that's just the easiest shorthand we have. So, like, maybe that's where some of the confusion comes in. Because it is. Yeah. I
2: think that. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. I think that. Like. I mean. It also like. If you're a math rock band like this is still the place you want to aspire to playing right oh, this is the like, pinnacle is, yeah for sure it, this is still the pinnacle like so like there's still there's still validity in in what uh echoes and dust is saying but i think there is this this subtle you know this this kind of needs to be ironed out it's an important
0: um, point yeah for sure
2: yeah 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 yeah. um i think the other thing obviously like i mean you you guys already have probably already said this but like we have to remember that it is an opinion piece it isn't fact it's, it's an opinion based on reasonable expertise, but we shouldn't get riled up like, or feel like attacked or, or whatever. Like, the opinions in this article are merely uh, a timely backdrop to questions like, is Math Rock at a deluge? Have we hit peak Math Rock? Like, a, a lot of people are probably already thinking that. So I think like, Echoes and us are being pretty brave by putting their opinion out there. Um, but yeah, I, I guess my point is that we should treat this as opinion and not get you know, too, uh, too shocked by it.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and there are hmm. there are plenty of there are plenty of good takes and bad takes in the realm of math rock opinion for sure. I mean, you can look on yeah. anywhere that has a comment section or <laughs> any message board yeah. we're talking about math rock, and uh, you can find some some choice yeah, opinions. Yeah, people will talk. People will talk. I think there's a topic sentence here at the beginning of the article um, they start with, um, where he says that this is more about the unintended consequences of leveling up a bunch of bands beyond their wildest dreams and the copycat nature of the music industry. And I think that's really what's at hand here. So yeah. um, I guess if you want to just springboard off of there, I know we don't really have like a, a solid through line for all this necessarily, but I mean, just, you know, scattershot, give us, give us what you think about that.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, that's, that's, it is a really loaded, uh, a loaded sentence. Um, I guess like looking across the article, I guess there are two points of bias that like, I can't, help not see that I, I think are worth like talking about here um the first one i think is there's a it tends to focus more on the uk experience versus you know math rock which is a global uh, a global thing much of the article is it's focused on the writers you know personal experience like presumably in the uk they start talking about uh the diy scene um with promoters like button pusher and derby and like uh bad al presents and Leeds, like are both good friends of ours um but they also extol albums like all right the captain and um and so i watch from afar their, their debut from 2007 or whatever it was um and then they logically talk about the rise of our in 2013 that all makes sense however after this point the article is no longer a uk affair it starts to make more far-reaching statements about the whole genre but the whole genre is is worldwide right so it's not really fair because there are plenty of self-sufficient scenes um across the world like in mexico in argentina in japan and short sure, bands in these places you know probably won't turn down an opportunity to play to arc tangent, but like they they didn't form because of our tangent Like most math rock bands we talk to uh, in in Japan, for instance, uh, were influenced by other bands like Battles and Owls and and Number Girl and whatever. So I think that there is a um there's a bit of a false connection across the article, uh, which is you know is a little bit misrepresentative. Um, and the other thing I just want to quickly say is I I think there's also a bit of a personal bias in this. Um, I would argue that we get the same amount of submissions in the, in the fucking Bahamas inbox. And you guys probably know that, know this as well, pretty much the same amount every day since we started like back in uh, 2014. Right. Yeah, so we that have a level segment of, of the show dedicated to it. Th- that's right. That's right. <laughs> so like you guys know as well as I do that we get a heap of math rock submissions, and that level of submissions that we get, you know, is, is overwhelming and, and you quite quickly familiarize yourself with the sound of math rock Um, Because you're basically like binging on it, right? Like you're just hearing the same ideas over and over again. And like, you know, we we all love math rock, but you know, we do quickly familiarize ourselves with like the commonalities of it, right? So who's to say that the author of this Echoes and Dust article hasn't simply exhausted themselves with the sound of math rock and like just quite naturally, they're they're looking for something more. Like not everything is standing out as much as it did back when, when they started. What if all of that excitement of the genre is kind of just waning due to overexposure. Um, if that was the case, it would be unfair to announce the death of a scene based on a, on a, you know, pretty biased opinion. I mean, again, it's an opinion piece, but like, you know, I, I, I do feel that like, you know, I, w- I could pretty much write a similar article with it. Like, you know, like we get a lot of submissions that they tend to sound the same. It's, it can be a little bit harder to find, you know, some of the, the, the diamonds in the rough, so to speak. Um, but, you know, that's 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 a personal thing. That's not exactly how, like, you know, the, the math rock fan, uh, how they feel. They, they're not listening to the same amount of music as we are, as, as press. So I guess those are just two points that I wanted to sort of throw out in response to the article.
1: It might be worth defining. You kind of mentioned, like, the sound of math rock, you familiarize yourself with it. I do think that this article, a big part of its point is that the sound of math rock to them has... Has narrowed in scope, right? So maybe you should define to you what what is the sound of math rock. I know that you mentioned battles and all these other bands that don't sound like what you would find in the UK. Um, but I, I can say that, and using our own inbox from experience, I have found a lot of bands that sound like what was described in the article. So, so like what what to you is missing from the sound that they describe?
0: Yeah, and if I could just get everyone like sort of on this on the same page, it's sort of um, it's like two three paragraphs from the end. Um, where he comes, he kind of comes to a conclusion and says the result is a watering down or even a dumbing down of what it means to be in a math rock band. So this is this is his opinion. He says, "Well, I've got news for you, boys. Tapping in five four, or having a twelve eight section in your otherwise terrible shouty post hardcore tune does not make you a math rock band." Um, so I think I think in some ways we might all agree that there is some truth to that, but it may be important to, uh, as Santino suggested, get a baseline for what that even means you know you know if that's not what makes you a math rock band then what does
2: yeah yeah and absolutely i think that like i mean it's it's a pretty hard question to respond to because like you know when we receive a submission like you know we want to be we want to be taken out of our familiar zone. So it's hard to say, like, what will take us out of our familiar zone. Like, you've really just got to be surprised, right? I think, like, the, like for me, like, the, the, the quintessential element of Math Rock is not really so much all of these individual constituents like the odd time signatures and the, you know, the angular phrasing or whatever. Like, it's more about just the general unpredictability of it. Like if you're like, you know, tapping away in major chords for most of it, that's, that's cool. I can, I can, I can follow along with that. But I feel like the best math rock, at least for me, like this is obviously all my opinion. The, the best math rock for me is the stuff where I've, I've been, you know, I, I've, I can't figure it out. Like, I have to go back and listen to it again and go, oh, that's what the, you know, I have to pull it apart. Like, I think there's a there's a really good um, essay by uh, an academic called Theo Cataforis who wrote about, um, he basically went through and analyzed a Don Caballero song. And that was his, the, the outcome of doing that was that that's what math rock was. Math rock is about trying to pass a very complex arrangement of music. Uh, And and for me, that's that's precisely what I'm looking for when we get a submission, something that's unpredictable That's a little bit tangled that needs a little bit of untangling like, you know, it's like a like a a word search or a crossword or something like that Um, I guess that's what I'm looking for. That's a that's a very loose response, unfortunately, but Ultimately, that's what I think we're looking for. I think it's like how you take all of those those common method elements and how you weave them together to make something that's just, you know, it's not very familiar.
0: Right. So I, I think in that way, you kind of agree with him, right? You're saying that that making a good math rock song, is it's very hard because there has to be a lot of disparate elements you pull together and there has to be this kind of surprise factor to it. So if you're doing something tried and true and you're doing something that's utterly predictable, even if it's a complex technique, it's, you know, that's not necessarily math rock. Um, so... Uh, but but I think,
2: or maybe or maybe it is, and but it's just not really shining out from you know the the, the true potential of you know of this music.
0: Right, right. It's something where you know it may have all the hallmarks uh, of of bands that have come before, but. Well, it, it, we're, we're kind of getting into how do you define a genre, right? You're looking for certain sort of motifs and conventions that appear over and over that allow you to group these things together. And then, you yeah. know, now we're in the age where you can ultimately feed these things into an algorithm and then it spits out things that you also might like. And that works a lot of the time, unfortunately. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, there is
2: obviously a, an irony in, in, in what we're saying. Yeah. So for, for yeah, reason.
0: I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of hard to even parse out, you know, the genre discussion that's happening here because you know, mm. it's, it's, is it math rock? Well, no, because there's no surprise, but is it because it has these motifs? Well then technically, yes. So it's like, mm. do all these people or, or do all these bands have a place here? It's tough to say, you know, I, I think mm. one of the the toughest things, as you mentioned before is, you know, we just get this deluge of submissions and picking out those diamonds in the rough is, is super tough, but it, it does, it requires a lot of work. And when you find them, mm. it's ultimately, you know, so much more rewarding. And hmm. I think that's what, what publications like echoes and dust. And, and what we do is we sort of try and curate that for people so that they don't have to do all that hard work. Um, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And it just brings up something that I was thinking about reading this too. And I wonder if, you know, the age of self-promotion is kind of to blame here because um, you know, his, his idea is that all these, you know, all these kids, went to this first Arc Tangent or heard about it and started listening to these bands and then ultimately said, you know, I want to do that and started emulating. But I'm wondering if, because you can now completely self-promote your band through the internet, which is where a lot of math rock sort of picks up steam, then Hmm. finding the best ways and the most efficient ways to get it in front of as many people as possible is sort of making this all happen. So if you are submitting to a publication like us you're submitting to echoes and dust because you like a lot of the bands that we talk about you're obviously going to tag that with math rock so that we see it and anybody else that likes that genre hopefully will listen to you and like you so i think this whole idea of trying to put yourself out there and finding the best way to get yourself in front of a lot of people is putting this tag on to onto these bands where maybe they're not thinking as deeply about the genre as we would as journalists. Um, they're sort of looking at this self-identification that they're forced to do, you know, when they, when they go to upload their music to band camp and it says, Hey, what are you? Input some tags. And they go, okay, well, I'm instrumental progressive math rock guitar tapping, you know, because technically those things are all there and then they're going to, you know, feed it into their system and hopefully get five or six or 10 more pairs of ears out of it, you know? Um, mm. so I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, if the crux of the article is that ArcTanGent tangent is to blame, which reading through it, I don't know if that is, I think that's kind of just the, the clickbait <laughs> of the article. Um, I think ultimately <laughs> what he lands on is it's not necessarily ArcTanGent, tangent, but it's, you know, that's like a big cultural touchstone that he can sort of bring from. But yeah, I, I think it's, it's just to me anyway, it's, it's the way that we're having to promote ourselves now. Um, mm you know you just have to take that scattershot approach and at the end of the day you know it, it doesn't matter to them you know what that does to the genre as far as wandering it down it just means that a few more people are listening
2: yeah i think i think you're you're absolutely right i mean like the the resources have changed like it's there's a there's a lot more availability for you know there are a lot more resources and ways of itemizing music than there was you know 10 or 20 years ago like i think that's played a, a huge part in it Like, and and it's not just, obviously not just this genre, it's, it's all genres, it's all music. So I, I, I think like our, our job as, um, as press is just ultimately becoming harder because of people's, you know, the the accessibility of these resources to uh, a lot more people. So people's dreams, you know, their, their ability to be able to see their projects through is, um, is, is much easier than it was, than it was before.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and getting it out there too. I mean, all it takes now, I I don't know if this is exactly what happened with, uh, with standards, but, uh, it kind of reminds me of, I think it was Invalids. It's, didn't that guy just get started by just posting videos of him doing tapping on YouTube. And then eventually, you know, he's like, Mm. like, oh, you should make a song out of that. And eventually it became a bedroom project. And then he found more people. And, now they're huge you know like you
2: can't yeah it, 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 precisely i think that like uh yeah the, i mean the bedroom project uh, as it were is is a huge part of Mathrock. i mean that's one of the first articles we ever wrote when we, we you know we talked about like people like Pliny and zest chasing Kara and and sithue like these are all you know these are all just guys that were you know plugging away in their bedrooms and like now they're i mean plenty's played our tangent and I yeah, like, and,
0: and Sithu is playing our yeah. tangent this year. So I mean, uh, that's right. Yeah, of, the message that sends is you know you can start this, you can get really good at tapping, and if you can rise above you know all of these videos on Instagram of people tapping, then you can have a legitimate project and you can play at our tangent one day.
2: Precisely, it's like sort of DIY you know 2.0 if you want to call it something like that. Like yeah. that's and I think I think you're right. I think this that is a huge element of you know ultimately what might make the genre seem you know very saturated and stale so
0: we we've talked a lot about um the skills that people use to play a math song but we haven't really talked about sort of uh, uh the musical acuity it takes to actually be able to write one which i think is another big point of this argument so uh i mean what do you see as the difference between those two things
2: yeah, I guess like the, I guess the one thing that that does sort of stick out in my head, at least with math rock, is that maybe we do have a little bit of of a disadvantage to other genres in that we have um, a lot of focus on a particular motif, um, the, the tapping technique, and I think that that is actually really contributed to the popularity of the genre as well, because like the tapping technique is not just a, you know, it's not just a motif. It's something that you share. This is a, you know, this is something that many people post on social media. And I think that um, the the tapping technique has shifted some of that musical creation in the genre from being like artistic exploration to being sort of a dull athleticism. Um, Sorry if I've offended anyone, but there is an element of that. Like it's, there's a, it, it sort of brings out the uh, the showmanship and the sort of the gimmickiness of it like it's a really fun thing to do but I think we we can potentially um, we can potentially uh, sustain, like stay, make the genre stale by focusing on this more athletic technique um, I, I, I guess that's like that's worth putting out there as being another element of what make what might make the genre a bit more stale
0: right and i mean i've seen just a few rumblings here and there with people who are i don't want to say they're getting sick of it um but there are definitely calls out there for people who want better songwriting and more interesting things to happen than just being able to tap really good um you know because that's all that's all well and good but it's to me it's the difference between musicianship and pageantry if that makes sense
2: yeah for sure yeah, yeah. I, I think that there is a, like, I mean, there, there is obviously a positive spin to this, in that like, by by putting your tapping out there, like there is a social and a community element to doing that, and you get to sort of, you know, you get to sort of bond with people over the stuff. So it's 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 a really neat forum for that. But I guess like in terms of like how that then translates into like, you know, the quality of of the music and and what really hooks people, um, like maybe there's something there that's you know could be potentially homogenizing the sound.
1: And th- there's also more to it too. Like we've talked about tapping, and earlier you mentioned like time signatures too. But thinking about it just from the the standpoint of someone who owns gear, a lot of people like to oh you have to have this pedal, you have to have this loop station, you have to have these things. And and I can think of a video on YouTube where you know the ones where Nick Reinhardt always goes over like all the sweetest pedals. Uh, and one of them uh, that he he basically just says everyone caught, like does that thing where they just increase the rate on that one uh, like boss pedal. Oh, that... I know exactly the sound you're talking about. Yeah, and, and everyone always does it. They'll like slap it on at the end of like a haven't measure. I haven't seen this video, but I know the sound. <laughs> yeah, and it's actually funny because the band you and I are in, uh, that you and I, Chris, are in, uh, our guitarist loves doing that, yeah, and true. and like ever since it was pointed out to me, I, I I can't get away from it. And now every time I hear, it, I'm like, oh right, that's the math rock thing to do. I was gonna
0: say if we need to uh, if we needed to drop like a sound clip in there, we now don't even need to go get permission from another group because we can just have James do it. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: Um, yeah, fair enough. Um,
0: but yeah, I mean, to that point, um, ultimately, it's like if you like it and that's what you're into, that's fine. You know what I mean? And like, it, if that's what being in a math rock band becomes, and that's all fine too, you know, like it's, nobody is sitting there saying, you know, standing at the gate saying, no, this is, this is not math rock. You can't do that. It's, it's whatever people decide it is. So if, if eventually it becomes just a, an exercise in the athleticism of tapping and then posting that and then just being, you know, who can tap the fastest, then like, cool, man. Like that's, that's what it is from now on but I think there will always be those people who are sort of looking for the bleeding edge, like I think the early pioneers of math were doing, and there will always be advancing that sound. And ultimately, if it has a different name or something, then, you know, that's just kind of the way things go.
2: That's it. I mean, like, the, the whole progression of the genre is, is a passive discourse. And, like, if people want that, then then that's what will happen. Like, the, who, who, are, who is anyone to, to gatekeep, like how how things turn out like they'll 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 follow their own path so in terms of the death of a scene it's a pretty loaded statement like we can talk about the death of a scene in terms of like the sound becoming stale or overdone or or uninteresting but there are other things that make a scene great there are the the friendships there's the the sense of community like there's the the bonds that are made for people that put on festivals and make labels and stuff like i've forged a lot of friendships myself with like people in like argentina and japan in in denmark and france like people from around the world that were connected through through this math rock music like i've worked so closely with vlad from from small pond uh over the internet like we didn't end up meeting each other until like last year and like that's four or five years after we we first even talked to each other right and we just like hit it off like nothing so like i guess my point is that like there are parts of a scene that unfortunately don't really get written into the, the history books or the Wikipedia articles, yet they're fundamental in sustaining the genre. So like when we talk about the death of a scene, it's really worth considering like what particular elements of the scene we're talking about.
0: Yeah, so I think we're, where we should sort of end this off is, do you think that this is the death of Math Rock? You know, like, do you see this as the, in the same sort of fatalistic way or do you kind of see a different, uh, a different path happening?
2: I think there is, like, there's an irony in all this that math rock is the product of a scene that also eventually struggled under its own weight, and that's indie rock. Like, that term has become a lot more ambiguous over the years. But, like, I'm talking about bands like uh, Sonic Youth, Huskadoo, Meat Puppets, Mission of Burma, Big Black, bands from the 80s, part of that independent rock revolution that Black Flag really kick-started because they showed that much of the band stuff that you can actually do, you can do it yourself, not just with merch and touring, but you can also choose how you want to make your own music. Like you can make a, you can make a fucking album of, of spoken word if you wanted to. So there was a huge creative explosion, but over time that scene became saturated in many ways like this one is. And major labels are coming in and sniffing out, you know, people that were digging it. So they tip their toes in it and grab bands like Nirvana and Soundgarden and Dinosaur Junior. And then the majors are in charge of it and it's all just, you know, just, Capitalist, you know, <laughs> capitalist agenda again, but like I guess my point is that there's an irony that you know we're also at a of not directly the same, but we're at a similar scenario where the genre sort of comes a bit more saturated, and for some it might be stale. And in terms of what happens with it, um I mean, if things if things need to change, they'll change. Like, like if people aren't really digging it, then they'll they'll cling to people that are doing things slightly different. Like I think that's just that's just logical um what that means in terms of math rock i mean it's 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 really hard to say people might want to like have a uh, a genre that focuses more on the tapping that might sort of break away from math rock um people might like the whole thing might regress people might want like a, a more pure sound from like earlier stages in math rocks history like in the time of like you know shellac or slint or whatever like a sort of a retrospective development um i mean that thing's not uncommon i mean that's sort of what happens you know with punk and hardcore music and the rise of you know emo and metalcore in the early 2000s um i mean ultimately it's it's hard to say what the actual discourse will be um but you know if it gets stalin burtison then that's probably what's going to happen and like that's all cool i'm just happy to sort of sit back and enjoy the ride like i i sort of know what sort of music i like i like the you know i like the elements of math rock i love the the unpredictability uh and the surprise like i was saying before like those are things that are exciting for me uh and I, i guess like, for me, I'd rather just go where those elements are.
0: Yeah, and I, I think, you know, after mulling this over, the only thing we're really at risk of losing here is a label, right? I mean, he, he even says that Math Rock is in danger of becoming like Prague, and it's like, well, what is Prague now? You know, it's it's this very sort of formulaic thing that just relies on what came from the past, and new things, we don't call them Prague because we call them Math Rock, you know? So, I mean, if the only thing we're losing is the name, then... Maybe we'll just come up with a better name next time.
2: That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Math, math Rock is, a, is already a bit of a joke to me anyway, so we'll just make a new one.
0: That's it. All right. I don't think there's any more of a fine point we can put on that. So, Nick, thank you for coming on. We always enjoy having you. Wow. What a saucy stew of opinion. <laughs>
1: That's like the problem when we record this like several days later. This, yeah, I can't this, remember what we said. So there's like, no
0: there's no clean segue. Yeah, there's like no natural way to get out of it. Uh, <laughs> so we're just going to truck right on past that yeah. because there's there's no saving this now. And we've come to the end of the show where we talk about what we've been listening to. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go first or should I? Um,
1: I think I will go first because I spent all this time loading it while we were getting ready to record this. Hell yeah, dude. Okay, so um, I, I found this band I say I found it. Um, I were came. The, a, were you the first one ever? Uh, I found this this band after Clang, which people might know. They are, I they are, I guess they've been around for years and years. I think their first album dropped in two thousand and seven. They've been compared to like Rose or Sigaros or however you want to pronounce it. Um, but since then, they've come around. They reminded me a lot of Moom. If anyone knows that band, of is, are Clang. they
0: like in the same musical family as Sigaros Moom? Are they like uh, share share members and stuff?
1: I don't know that they share members, but they... they Are they, they also from Iceland? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're also from Iceland. They have a lot of members. And I mean, they, I'm not even here to talk about their catalog, but their catalog runs a gamut of fucking awesome to fucking strange. And I love it. Um, but so I've been listening to this band after Clang, but specifically uh, they released an album called Parades and uh, they released a live version of it. Normally I don't really give a fuck about live versions, but the live version is performed with the band performing with the Danish Danish National Chamber Orchestra. Yeah. And it's so cool because the the whole album has all kinds of orchestral or like just orchestration all over the album anyway. So it translates really well, but it becomes a lot better. Uh, And it has been probably the most inspiring and coolest album I found. I mean, in all seriousness, from the last like, Eight months to a year.
0: Yeah, dude. Uh, it, Just it, like Metallica's it, S and M. It's exactly like that. Yeah, it's it's it's
1: actually been <laughs> it, it's been fucking cool, man. Like I, I found it, and it's I don't know. It it's this is gonna be a weird one. It sounds like if Polyphonic Spree had um, better music.
0: Oh shit! Because they
1: have like chamber singers and they have all kinds of backup singers. It's it's fucking cool as hell. Um, I I'd, I'd listen to it. It's dramatic. It's it's punchy and it's. Um, it, it's nothing like anything else that we've listened
0: to on the show. Do you watch Game of Thrones? I don't. There's a special guest appearance by Seager Rose. Yes. In one episode, they just kind of show up. Do you plan on watching it? Yeah, I know. Everyone wants to spoil it for me. I'm not trying to spoil it. I'm just saying like, I didn't know it was them until like I saw it in like the, the after articles that came out on, you know, fucking AV, Ever, club, AV yeah. club or whatever. They're just like, did you spot Shiger Rose? And I'm just like, oh no, because I never knew what they looked like. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah,
1: that's Yunzi. or John. you can. Yeah. He, has, he has the uh, the blind eye, so it's easy to tell. Uh, you
0: couldn't really see it though. Like you no. couldn't really, you didn't get like a super good look at his face. They were definitely like, yeah. they were performing, and like it sounded familiar, but they were using these like fantasy instruments that kind of looked like, uh, man, what's that thing you crank? They use it in Godspeed, <laughs> a hurdy gurdy. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was and he, One guy kind of had like a, an accordion type thing. It was uh yeah it was it was a good scene that's years old now though yeah I mean I I knew that it happened if that helps uh I've been listening to something that may or may not come as a surprise I listened to Baroness
1: wow everybody now, ladies and gentlemen let me describe Chris Walker's physical
0: person to you specifically his left forearm yeah yeah I got a, I got a tattoo uh, that was a piece of art by the uh, singer uh, guitarist of Baroness so yeah. Um, uh, the leader th- of no, the no Barons. This is, a, this is a big thing because um, their album, which what is going to be two albums ago, uh, Yellow and Green, I liked it at the time. It was fine. But then over time, it's come to just fall off. Like, I don't really have any connection to it anymore. And part of it was, it's another fucking John Congleton produced album. <laughs> and the way that dude produces drums just irks me. Um, <laughs> so you went back and loved it? No, 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 no. It's it's not that. Um they came out with an album after that called Purple, and I bought it on vinyl, like sight unseen, mostly because all their packaging is awesome. And I listened to it a little bit and I was like, eh, it's it's fine. I was like, I don't really like it though. And I think I'd kind of like uh like push them off to the side, like, oh maybe Let they're not as, maybe they're not as good anymore. And I got I'm still on their mailing list and they sent me like, oh hey, we have a new single out. And I listened to it, I was like, oh shit, this single's dope. I'm like I, maybe I didn't give purple a fair shake. And I went back <laughs> and I'm like, this album is fucking great. <laughs> so it was another one of those situations where I just like totally pushed it off to the side, totally discounted it. And then it must've been, I mean, let's bring him up for the second time. Crispy James. Yeah. He started getting into Baroness. He's talking about, he's like, Oh, you know, I kind of like it all. And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't really feel that good about purple. Now, James, if you're listening, cause I know you occasionally, I don't know how many episodes behind you are. I know you occasionally listen, but I've come around on purple It's, it's very good. Um, so I think, uh, if you are, if you're looking for some, if you're really into tones, the tones of Baroness is where it's at. So if you're into bands like, uh, Red Fang and Elder, it's a little less aggressive than that stuff and a little less like, uh, uh, in your face and it's a little more contemplative. Um, but there's a lot of really, really cool stuff there. Those guys are all incredibly talented musicians. Um, yeah, they can, they can do anything. So the new album's coming out. I'm actually excited for it, which is a, a good place to be. Now. Those are a couple of non math albums that we like. I put out a little, uh, a little call to action on the Facebook page. I saw this, uh, I saw this call to action. A couple of weeks action. ago. I realized
1: I wasn't allowed to respond to it.
0: Cause <laughs> yeah, I'm on the be, fucking show. You,
1: yeah. Because we give you a fucking, I'm on
0: the fucking show. We let guys. you shout it from the mountaintops.
1: Oh, I could just give out my opinions.
0: Until today, we asked you uh, what you've been listening to, and uh, quite a few of you responded. There was 58 comments total. I'm just going to cherry pick a couple. I'm just going to go right down the line. Shout your opinions out because you're on the show and they're not, so they can't say anything. <laughs> uh, Brock benzel says uh, Tricot Daughters. Hell yeah, Caro Caro Benito. I actually know who that is, weirdly enough. Uh, and the Chariot. I'm like this guy. Hey, we had a little sub discussion. Uh, sh- sh- I'm going to skip over this guy who asked if we've ever heard of Chan. <laughs> Uh Adrian Pere Ventura says, I've been listening to a lot of Feed Me Jack. The band Royale, JPEG Mafia, Art Blakey, nice. And the Jazz Messengers and Chancer. Uh Ryan Lucas just says Swan Gang. Which <laughs> that's goddamn, that's such a good name. Max Kerr says, Old Pink Floyd. What's old Pink Floyd? Oh my God, you don't know old Pink Floyd. Well, how old are we talking? Old Pink Floyd
1: would be, I think it's late 60s, early 70s, when to someone who didn't know better, you'd think, oh, it's the Monkees or oh, it's the Beatles. Oh, shit. Yeah, we're talking like Sid Barrett, still the guitarist. This is like way before Pink Floyd that you know. I think there were at least four or five albums. uh, What is it? The... um, at the gates of the piper or the piper at the gate something like that there's definitely a listener who wants to fucking rip my face off for just not knowing off the top of my head that's but fine i have it on my phone so. like i
0: said they don't have a microphone they can't do anything uh, he's also been listening to earth which is that's an interesting catalog to get into um it's a tough one sometimes uh ethan thorson lusterman says delta sleep time king I love, that's such a good name uh, and Orchards. Listeners at home, obviously
1: I've edited out a lot of this, but Christopher just read about 1,400 bands to me. Did. We, we've been recording for I think about seven hours now. <laughs> I am so hungry.
0: Yeah, we haven't had any food. Um, society yeah. around us has collapsed. They've turned off the lights. There's no running water. Um, we're having to recycle our own urine just to stay alive. Yeah, um, It's a dire situation in here. And the only thing that can bring us out of this dire situation is a beep, beep. beep. Bandcamp review so this time we got a Bandcamp review straight pulled from the depths of Bandcamp ripped out of the clutches of its uh, album's mother's arms Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm still workshopping it Uh, so this comes off of the album Time Will Die and Love Will Bury It by Rolo Tomasi and T Night Bench says if this album was a chicken it would be impeccable (laughs) I can't get enough of it (laughs) what the fuck does that mean
1: that doesn't mean anything, because the album can still be impeccable without it
0: being turned into a chicken. Get it? Oh my god. Oh my Get god. It? I didn't even
2: see that.
1: Oh my god.
0: <laughs> uh, so that's been your Bandcamp review for this episode. That was stupid. All right, so that's it for this month. Uh, Fucking roll those credits. Room Temperature Suite is produced by Santino Tartaglia and me, Chris Walker. Nick Hunter is our managing editor. Our intro theme is the seven-inch version of Floorboards by Roz and the Rice Cakes. Bump tunes this month were pulled from the song Beached Community, provided by I Feel Fine. The song you're hearing right now is called Olympic Park, and it's by Couch Tigers. You can head on over to this episode's page on our website to find links to everything we just talked about, along with a whole mess of great articles, interviews, reviews, and more new music than you could possibly ever know what to do with. If you want to talk to us, hit us up on the Fecking Bahamas Facebook page, or shoot us an email at the address RoomTempPodcast at gmail.com. I'll probably respond to you personally. Leave us a comment, share the episode with your friends, whatever. It's all good. If you're in a band and you want us to play your music on the show, you can email that to us too. This episode was recorded in Echoey 3rd floor of some old ass house in Providence, Rhode Island.